And welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Jamie Wojciechowski. And I'm Marilyn Brown. Okay, and today we're doing something a, a little bit different. I'm going to read a very, very, very long quote, um, which is one of my favorite quotes. Um, it's a quote by Alanis Morissette um, that she said, I believe in 2013, when discussing a song that she wrote. And I find myself at least once a year posting this on social media. Um, so I'm just going to read it. It's very long. Okay. In today's Western climate, and frankly all over the planet, there is a lot of focus on competition and win-lose. If we believe in this dualism, if we believe in this dream state, that we are separate, then that will dictate everything that we choose to do, in our business, in our professional, in our romantic, with our kids, everything. But if we believe that we are totally connected, I think we would be making different kinds of choices that would be more unifying. If disconnection is true, then I'm going to want to win if you lose, and that would be okay with me. But if I think we are connected, there is no way I would be happy with you losing and me winning. So looking through the lens of love is really looking through the lens of how can we both win, and if we can't both win, we can't do this. But really, at the end of the day, we are a cooperative bunch, and that is actually our true nature, but it hasn't really been focused on. Generation after generation, we're teaching these messages and then when we see them manifest in the world on a macro level, we don't take responsibility for the fact that we're the ones who taught this. We're the ones who are teaching how humans interact with one another. All of these political challenges and conflict, they're all symptoms of what is really going on in a basic level, in our homes and in our hearts and in our own relationships. Politics is our emotional and spiritual beliefs evidenced. Mm. So I'm going to ask you just what what that brings up for you mm -hmm. well i think the first thing that really comes up for me with that quote is um when she said if we can't both win then we can't do this um that kind of that idea of connection that there is no success if everyone isn't okay um and that 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 idea of connection is something that i think um is so so important and that we really have to i like that she says we have to teach that because we don't we don't really um culturally we're not really teaching that idea and i think that that she really um hits on an important point that oftentimes we are kind of bothered by the the symptoms of of but this is kind of what we've actually been injecting into it. it it's and so I, I, there was a lot that she said because it's a long quote, but that just kind of stuck out to me. That idea that um, that through that connection, that we're really um, we're all in in it together for better or for worse, and that also means um, you know we're we're in creating the solution and finding a way to change that narrative and change that kind of thinking pattern. Yeah, what I loved about it is just this idea of uh, the she puts it as win lose, but this dualistic thinking, which is such a it's such an ingrained part of being human, and I think that comes from just our survival instincts and and where we came from, um, and we have this habit of separating everything into 
it seems like we prefer to separate them into two distinct categories if possible and you see that with win lose good bad you see it politically in this country with liberal versus conservative mm-hmm. um and what what it does is it, it it creates this kind of illusion of separateness and this oversimplification um uh, and the reason I think it exists is, and why we do this is because it makes it it easier to cope, and it it, it makes it more simple to mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to just say, well, this person's bad or this person's evil, so we have to punish them or we have to do whatever, and it it does multiple things. It makes it so we don't have to find what that person is going through inside of ourselves, I think is a big part of it is we don't want to see the shared humanity with people doing things we don't agree with. Um, And it, it allows us to, and it's the same thing. It just allows us to put um, a separation, but the the separation isn't, isn't real. It's it's something that we're creating. Yeah. Yeah. That, that idea of, of separateness, that's the illusion that we've that we've created through through our own behavior and through our through our um, what's the word I'm looking for our habitual tendency to judge to categorize things and and to put things into into comfortable boxes. I think that we do that. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons that we do that, but I think we do that because it it's it's quicker, it's easier. We it, it doesn't challenge us, and I think that that's kind of a survival um, mentality is is categorizing and putting things into these separate places but when we do that then we're losing our ability to really um like you said to to incorporate parts of that into ourselves and i think that the the i think there's also a a challenge for people with um with with avoiding thinking dualistically because i think that it creates it creates dissonance in our in ourselves as far as our own kind of ideas about what is good, what is bad. When when we have these ideas, we can cling to things that we feel like may make us good or make someone else bad. But the 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 counter to that is that we're really losing our ability to kind of learn from these things and really to teach each other um, through our connection. Right, and I think a lot of it too has to do with our ability to actually. Um solve problems uh Mm -hmm. in in the quote she says she's talking about politics but this is true just for everything she says all these political challenges and conflict they're all symptoms of what is really going on in a basic level in our homes and in our hearts and our own relationships Mm -hmm. and i think that is something that's not conscious in most people um so what ends up happening is when you you experience life and your worldview is one of of dualism of of separateness you just it, it's hard to find solutions to the problems because you don't actually see the problems as they are i mean everything and it, it's not just a, a spiritual philosophy either when you look at science i mean science proves over and over and over again that everything in the universe is interconnected and mm-hmm. even though we have more and more and more evidence of this we as as a society don't incorporate that kind of 
that kind of thinking. It's still very um, categorized thinking, and it makes it hard to really, really solve problems because we're not seeing the the depth of what they are. We're constantly putting band-aids on things and not actually healing what's the root cause. We're just focusing on the symptoms over and over again. Yeah. I mean, you see that. I think that, that that's kind of led to a lot of the, the societal problems that we're struggling with right now, things that we feel like maybe we've gotten past them, but we really we're kind of just dealing with the sur surface level. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, in the 1960s and the civil rights movement, there was so much um, progress that was made, but there was also, we kind of reached this stagnant point where we weren't really willing to kind of dig deeper and, and challenge people's internal um, views and kind of in, in, in challenge this idea of privilege. And, and so then we have this kind of festering wound that's still there and, and, and is still affecting um, so many people and then there's people on the surface that can say, oh, that's not, there's there's no reality to that. That's not still a problem because on the surface we've kind of, you know, it's 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 scabbed over. And so we're not really digging. We're, we're, we're in this place where we've kind of become callous to even seeing that there's a problem because some people have a completely different reality and aren't able to really kind of incorporate um, both of the, the, both of those things. Right. And the other problem with dualistic thinking is that it for it to be real and to have solutions dualistically someone has to be so if you let me let me talk about this way i watched a video on facebook that i just loved it was um Emeralis fox um she was a former cia officer um and she was just talking about her experience um with within the cia um and working with the Middle East and interrogating terrorist suspects and, and, and that kind of thing. And what she was saying, the biggest problem with in this example of good and evil, the, that type of dualism is that no one thinks they're evil. So mm -hmm. she was saying that in, in America, you talk about nine 11 and when you interviewed people, they said it was an attack on our freedom. But when you go to the Middle East and you talk to terrorists who are anti-America, they say the exact same thing of us bombing them and mm -hmm. all those things. Mm -hmm. And she said that once she was in interrogating someone and they, they said that uh, it was like Star Wars, where you think you're actually the the good guy mm -hmm. but to everybody else you're the bad guy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it, it it just makes it then ends up being when you're talking about war is just everyone being against the other when right. the other is then against you for the same reasons and then it's going to be i mean and that's what we've experienced as humans is perpetual war um, right. and that's why it's impossible for us to break out of it because we're still in that dualistic Mm -hmm. thinking whereas if we were seeing each other as as connected that that would slowly fade away and i know i i hear people listening to this and and just being <laughs> thinking it's just like a bunch of hippie nonsense but it's it's a lot more difficult than just saying like oh believe in connection everything right. will be fine you have to we have to ingrain it in our culture and into the norm and that right. is incredibly different when 
every part of our behavior from the macro to the to the the minuscule smallest part is ingrained in this type of dualistic us versus them mentality right yeah and that, that's kind of what i was thinking as we were talking is like we recognize that 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 this is important, but how do we get there? How do we actually go from being ingrained and in, in everything that we're taught, everything that we're conditioned to do is to think dualistically. How do we, how do we make that shift? Especially I think at a time where there's even more um, kind of rhetoric around good versus evil and, you know, conservative versus liberal. And, and we're, we're in a place where there is so much dualism. Um, how do, how do we actually move forward and break out of that? Yeah, I think it, so in, in my experience, I, I think the only way we do that is through personal spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's through, do a, you have to start with, with you and you have to find a practice that breaks that dualistic way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's the whole point of mindfulness is to break through that thinking, but yeah, I really, I, I don't think there is really any way forward beyond individuals doing the work themselves mm-hmm. and then spreading what, they learn and hoping that other individuals see them through an example. You have to be, I think that's, it it starts with yourself and you breaking through that dualism and then being a living example so that other people see the difference and go on the journey themselves because Mm -hmm. you're never, we're never going to be able to force mindfulness or connectedness um, in the world it's not something you can force it's something that right. has to be watered and, and grow naturally yeah yeah it's something that needs to be cultivated mm-hmm. and I think when we try to force it um, out of others we actually have kind of an adverse reaction of, of reinforcing what we don't want to happen and reinforcing that disconnection um, so I think you're right I think that it really is about doing your own spiritual work to be able to kind of get to this place of not just being aware of the connection, but living that connection, um, in your life. And, and, and then that leads to an example for others. But I think, you know, we, we get into this place where, where people don't want, um, people don't want things forced on them, you know, and that's understandable. And I think sometimes, you know, um, people feel like, people want to completely change their beliefs um, when people kind of, you know, when someone brings um, either new spirituality to someone or, 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 um, you know, religious beliefs or things. And so I think it's about recognizing that people have to get to it in their own way and in their own path. And really what you can do individually is, is be that example and live it in your own life um, and, and connect with others around it. I think that's important as well as finding a way to, to be that example and live it in your own life. And then, like you said, spread that connection. Yeah. And I think too, a, a big, a big part of, I guess, being ready for a mindfulness practice or for breaking through those layers is you have to be ready for 
your the worldview that you have to be challenged and change because it's uh, yeah. I don't know anyone no matter how where what kind of life you live or whatever when you start a mindfulness practice and you do deep introspection it's going to challenge parts of your worldview and I think that's hard for a lot of people um, because it's just not something that is is part of our our culture at at the moment it's kind of you are brought up and you define yourself based on this idea of self that we have and then you hold on to it and anything that kind of challenges that you either people do one of two things that well one of three things they run away from it they put up a wall or they fight against it and that's the big thing with a lot it's it's interesting because i Often people ask me about um, the I, the religious side of mindfulness with in Buddhism um, uh-huh. and even in, in Hinduism, part of it comes through Taoism. Um, and if one can have a meditation practice and be Christian. Mm-hmm. And what I always say is you 100% can, but it challenges your worldview. So if you have a worldview based on what you have experienced in Christianity, it will change with you practicing mindfulness. You have to be ready for that. If you don't want any of your religious beliefs to be challenged, then you're probably going to have a lot of conflict while you're trying to have that that practice going right right and it's not saying that it's gonna it's i'm not saying it's going to devalue or say that um your previous beliefs were were wrong but what what you realize is that our beliefs are just our lens of seeing it yeah and our beliefs don't have to change for the lens of which we see those beliefs to be to be broadened Mm -hmm. yeah if that makes sense Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that, um, you know, being willing to have your beliefs challenged, being willing to to have your worldview challenged, I think that um, that's also a journey. Um, And that's also something that people kind of come to over time. I think that, you know, people may explore and just kind of be interested in starting a mindfulness practice just to get some anxiety management or just to kind of get through day-to-day stress. And then as you start to kind of develop and and dig more into your practice, I think that that willingness to grow comes along with the practice. Um, But I think that, you know, there, there does have to be willingness there, you know, and I think that that can be a challenge because I think that um, a lot of times we're just not willing um, to be changed in any way. And so I think that's kind of the challenge for people is just being willing to say, okay, this idea that I've had my whole life, this, this view of the world that I've had, that, that, that maybe that isn't the only way. And there is some, you know, and that I can broaden that and and learn more, but I think that's a growth process. And I think as people um, approach mindfulness and, and becoming, wanting to become more introspective, the desire to, challenge themselves grows as that practice grows. So, and so I think, I guess I'm trying to tell people that don't, 
expect that when you first come to it, you're going to just be willing to have, you know, your, your worldview completely blown up. It, it, it comes with the practice and that, that willingness grows as the practice grows. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a, a long process. Yes. And the other thing too, is the, the reason many people don't like having their worldview challenges because they define themselves based on that worldview. So their idea of self is rooted in that worldview. And when you have a mindfulness practice, one, that worldview changes, but part of that worldview changing is your idea of self changes. Yeah. And you, you, I don't, you don't, depending on, you start to, how you define yourself as you just changes so it kind of all as you slowly go through it yes it's 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 challenging when there is is conflict you have to push through it but you do learn by pushing through it it it, you you learn how they're they're connected those things go together yeah if that makes sense yeah definitely and i think that you know as yeah no sorry (laughs) that makes sense um, so I think the last thing I wanted to talk about, um, the other part that I love is she says, um, but it really, at the end of the day, we are a cooperative bunch and that is actually our true nature, but it hasn't really been focused on. Um, and then she talks about this idea of win lose and mm-hmm. you had asked how people can actually start practicing, um, and doing something productive to kind of break out of that dualism. And she talks about, um, but if I think we are connected, there is no way I would be happy with you losing and me winning. Hmm. Um, and I think, I think that's a way you can do it is if you are in a, in a conflict with someone, um, look for the way, is there a way where you both can win? And what, what does winning winning mean? Because in order for that to happen, you one you may have to com- compromise. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's a big way for you to do that is just to ask that question: Is there a way that you both can win? Not someone has to lose and someone has to win. Right. Yeah, I think that's a really good question, and I think that that could that could get get us through a lot of conflicts. I mean, I think on any level, you know, whether you're in a conflict with a family member, you're in a conflict with a coworker, you're in a political discussion with somebody, I think that kind of going, looking at it from that standpoint can really um, give everybody a challenge in that situation, which I think is what's important. I think a lot of times we're not willing to all be challenged. We want to come from the position of being right and do the convincing. But I think if you look at it like, okay, we, we both want to win. So how do we both win? Then that creates a challenge for, for both of you to work through together and, and you can find some sort of common ground, whatever that may be. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I have a little assignment for our viewers and listeners. Awesome. Um, what I would love is for you all to share a, a story where you were in a conflict and you actually resolved it in a way that it was win-win. Um, and how you how you found that uh, solution. 
um, yeah. and you can, yeah, you can comment on um, YouTube or on Twitter or Facebook, um, and we would love to hear from you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. See you next time.